Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 20 of our formal episodes. We are now here today with just Kendall and I. Um, Jack was traveling, and since we are going to still talk some football today, we still can't have Reed associated with those podcasts yet. We hope to have him back very soon. Unfortunately, the bowl game just kind of expanded our readless period. Um, so that's the one downside of getting some extra football. Speaking of football, we are going to start tonight's show talking about football, maybe recapping the season a little bit as a whole, reviewing the staff changes, and at least mentioning our bowl opponent, though we're going to have a formal bowl preview coming up next week. The big t- topic today is going to be basketball. We're going to look at the season so far and preview the upcoming matchup against Gonzaga. No offense to Arkansas State. I just don't think that anybody wants to hear about them. So we're going to move straight into Gonzaga with maybe a brief mention of Arkansas State. But we're going to start on the football side. It means we have now a complete staff. Every coach has been hired. We may see one or two extra analysts added, maybe a couple grad assistants to draw some attention to some former players coming home. But the major hires have all been made. All the position coaches lined out. We have a rough idea of what Texas Tech is going to look like next season. So I think it being Texas Tech football, we have to start on the offensive side of the ball where Coach Zach Kitley has come in after leading the Western Kentucky squad to one of the best offensive seasons in their history and one of the top offensive overall, if not the top offense overall. So let's talk Coach Kitley a little bit. Ken, no, we're familiar with his work personally as he led the Houston Baptist squad that came in and just scorched Tech to the tune of a lot of yards and a lot of points. But from what you've seen of him, from what you've heard about Coach Kitley, you know, where are you grading this higher? I'm really excited about it because I think that the thing that he brings is he's a young mind and, you know, those young minds tend to kind of think of new things a lot more often because I feel like they are a lot more free with their playbook than an older seasoned coach. And I think that that's going to do wonders for Texas Tech's offense, especially in the Big 12 with where defenses are improving. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot more, like, I guess, variations of defenses in the Big 12. And I really think that Kitley, like, I know a lot of people might not necessarily want to see the straight-up air raid, but we have to acknowledge it it is what has worked consistently. So I'm really excited for that because as much as – you know, it got us in bad situations. I feel like with the defensive staff we have, it's going. we're going to be in a much better situation defensively to run that style of air raid that he likes to run. And we have the perfect quarterback room for it too, no matter who's in it. And, you know, I'm a big Tyler Shuck guy, and I still am. Even though we didn't get to see much of him this year, I saw a lot of good things, and I think that – this offense will be perfect for him. I do think he will have that starting job all of next year. And we kind of have to see how the receivers play out, but, you know, we have some talent there. Taj Brooks is going to be leading the backfield next year, and we retained our running back coach, who is really been our best position offensively, the most consistent position offensively the past couple of years. So I think that the mix of that air raid, but also having that talent at running back, this offense is going to look really, really good under this new staff. Yeah, speaking of running back, I think what people forget about um, one of the more successful all-around, well-rounded, uh, all-around, well-rounded tech teams of the last few years, aka the last tech team 
to make it to a decent bowl game was the Patrick Mahomes offense in which he had around him guys like DeAndre Washington, a pretty good offensive line, great receiving core. You know, that that group um, was critical. The running back group is critical to the success of the air raid because what happens is, is you can ask Mike Leach, uh, you know, what you need your running backs to do. If you look at what Washington State and what Mississippi State's done under Leach, you're going to see something similar with Kitley. Um, you know, what the, the new air raid has gone to more and more and it, one of the developments Leach has gone to as well is your top pass catchers are going to be out of the backfield. You know, you need to be able to check the ball down. You need to be able to throw little wheel routes, little screens, because defenses are not expecting you to go to the running back. You know, that that's that's the big benefit of the air raid is when you open up, you know, the, the, the secondary and you stretch them so thin, the biggest holes are, you know, the matchups you're going to get with, you know, linebackers covering you know, running backs. That's that's an ex- exploitation that almost everyone's using. Look at OU uses their backs, and you know, look how uh, Baylor exploited Tech. I mean, that's just the, the the spread offense. So much of it is becoming more and more orientated around the idea that force defenses to cover the boundary and to run the running backs or your you know your real athletic tight end right by them, which Tech has both of. Um, you retaining Coach Smith and the, to keep that group rolling. Looking at the air raid as a whole under Kitley, yeah, nobody runs the true definition of the air raid. Nobody does. It's all changed. Cliffs is different than Mike Leach's. Um, Lincoln Riley's is different than Cliffs. I think Kitley runs a, a, a version of the air raid that's a bit more familiar. Um, Sonny Cumbie didn't run the air raid much in any capacity late in his career. Um or late in his tenure with TCU and Texas Tech, as his career is kind of just getting going over at La Tech. Um, but you know, I, I think that Kitley's offense is going to look a little bit more like what we saw under um, Leach than it do, did under Kingsbury, and especially what Sonny Cumbie ran. You know, Cumbie's offense was a lot more orientated on um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna attack vertically very deep. I mean, Cumbie really liked quick strike. Um, that was a lot of Tech's offense. I think Kitley's offense a lot more around the idea of which was the original air raid, which is you line up in formation, you find the soft spot in the zone, and the man coverage, you dump it in there. I think it'll work. I think you've always had the receivers that can do it. Um, I think you've got great quarterbacks to work with. I don't know who's going to come out of that room on top, but I, I, I think Coach Kitley is one of those you know young, bright, offensive minds, and maybe it doesn't work. You know, maybe he can't replicate his success, but he torched Tech at Houston Baptist, you know, with a kid nobody had heard of. Then he took that kid to Western Kentucky and torched all of Conference USA, including a very good UTSA team. So I think that you have to be excited about that hire. Um, This does bring up one point. We have to touch on it just because it's recent news. Quinn Ewers has now elected formally to commit to Texas. Um, That's not necessarily the world's biggest shocker. Tech was very much in the hunt from that. Um, anybody who reported otherwise is just a moron, but Tech was in the hunt. They did make a press. It just didn't happen. But, you know, all I'm going to say about that is, like both Kendall and I mentioned, you got three guys who I think will be seriously competing for the starting job, depending on the transfer situation. Um, so far, Tech has not had a guy go to the portal, but that obviously is probably going to change. Um, you know, you you probably will lose at least one of your quarterbacks, but you know, you retain Coach Smith partially to keep Donovan Smith. I think Tyler Shuck is still the leader in the clubhouse, and he's itching for this high-powered offense. And I think, you know, Baron Morton is still a guy that everybody wants to see. You know, he's the guy who represents a lot of potential and a lot of the future. So I'm not sure who's going to win that room, but Zach Kittley is the guy to lead that offense. I think it speaks to, you know, his ability that um, 
you were seriously in the Quinn Ewers discussion. I think that was part of why you stayed in it was he was intrigued by that offense. Now we're going to flip to the defensive side of the ball. That staff is finalized as well. You know, uh, Kendall, Tim DeRuiter is running, you know, a three-man front. That's almost certainly what Tech is going to see. Um, you know, I, I, I would be surprised to see him change up his entire system between jobs. But besides Coach DeRuiter, you're looking at the rest of the defensive staff. You know, is there a guy that really, you know, you really like out of that group in particular? I actually really like the uh, the coach he brought with him from Oregon. I like Marcel Yates. Uh, I think Oregon's defensive backs uh, these past couple years, especially, I feel like they've been, you know, really good, especially in coverage. Like they might not force as many turnovers as a lot of elite defenses do, but they've been really solid. Except, like there's a couple exceptions, obviously, but they like Ohio State this year. They locked down the off Ohio State for the most part, and that's what excites me most is seeing them go into a place like that and. You know, you have two elite wide receivers that Oregon's defensive backs were able just to completely shut down for the most part. And I feel like that alone is enough to show me that they we should expect big things from our secondary, especially with some possible recruits they could bring with them that were committed originally to Oregon, which that also excites me a lot because I feel like the recruiting as far – I feel like those guys know how to recruit the West Coast now. And that's going to bring in a lot more opportunities where we aren't just recruiting the state of Texas. We have guys that can go out, you know, across the country and recruit. And that's going to be a really big advantage, especially since Coach McGuire just absolutely annihilates the whole state of Texas when it comes to recruiting to this point. So I think that's just a lot of versatility in recruiting. But also we've seen some great things from Oregon's defense to show that there's going to be a lot of potential on that side of the ball. For me personally, I think the the underrated, not underrated, I should say, but the higher that I'm loving the most has got to be Zarnell Fitch out of uh, TCU. I like Marcel Yates. I like Josh Bookbinder. And to be honest, I really like Tim DeRuiter. But Zarnell Fitch is the kind of guy who has bona fides out the wazoo in terms of success at TCU. I mean, that, that Gary Patterson's units, have, this was probably his worst defense in years, but they are always fierce, and a lot of that starts up front. I think that combined with Tim DeRuiter, you know, who's coached some great, absolutely great edge rushers, is going to be a potent combination. I mean, you just now saw, as of we're recording this, I mean, I think it's like now, yeah, 18 minutes ago, Joseph eighty-eight. Adi Derry, and I'm sorry, I, I know I butchered that last name, is a three-star who just flipped from TCU to Tech. Um, and that's entirely because Zarnell Fitch was hired. These guys are absolute studs when it comes to recruiting. Like you mentioned, you know, the you, you bringing these guys out from the West Coast to help on that neck of the woods. But Zarnell Fitch is another one of these, you know, Texas high school football coach guys who uh, is going to work hard in the middle. That isn't to sell Josh Bookbinder short. You know, he's in He's inheriting a linebacker unit that is going to need some rebuilding. I think he's a great coach and can definitely do do some great work. I just I want to highlight Coach Fitch because I think you know the QB Hunter is, uh, you know that 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 mentality hasn't been in Lubbock in a few years, you know as in like ten. So you know bringing a guy in who's really going to prioritize building elite defensive pass rush, and you know he's it looks like he's going to have some talent to play with. Um, you know, he, he's inheriting some guys are going to be back for another year, some big-time recruits coming in um, to, to, to bolster that defensive unit. Um, well, now that we've kind of covered the staff, 
Uh, what we're going to look at now is we're, we're just going to look back at the, the I, I guess the best way to phrase this question is just kind of ask, you know, generally speaking, you're it, it, it's right after Matt Wells has been fired because I don't really want to dwell too much in the Matt Wells era. And you're looking at what happened after and all the hires, Coach McGuire coming in, everything as a whole. I'm going to ask again, just simply, you know, Kendall, what's, you know, how do you grade how tech has performed since the decision to move on from Coach Wells? Uh, I think that it was handled really, really well. Just like our uh, basketball coaching search, they got, Kirby Hocutt got right to it. And a lot of tech fans were disappointed, including myself, when we couldn't get trailer from uh, UTSA. But, uh, you know, the second option to a lot of people was always McGuire. And there was a lot of, you know, talk that it was going to be someone else. But I ultimately think that tech made the perfect hire with Joey McGuire. And I think that the staff that he's brought has also just solidified that. And we said at the beginning of the hire that he needs to get people that are really going to be able to help with the X's and O's because he's got the recruiting down to a T, but you know, we don't know where he's at with the X's and O's because he hasn't really done much play calling or anything at Baylor. And, you know, he got some of the best and especially Kitley. I think that offensively we are not going to have to worry about, you know, lack of scoring very often anymore. Uh, Like we, you know, as I do love Sonny Cumbie. I felt like his offense was much improved this year from what we saw the year prior under Yost. But I also feel like uh, there was a lot more potential there with the talent we had on that side of the ball. And I think Kitley is really going to just open up everything. And that's just going to make this team better and more fun to watch. And I think that really they've just nailed just about every hire up to this point for what they've had to work with. Yeah, I think if I was going to give a letter grade to how Tech responds, Wayne, and I want to be clear, I love Sonny Cumbie, but you know, you did and you did manage to get Paul eligible, but, but you also got blown out by Oklahoma and lost a, a, a heartbreaker to Baylor. So Wayne, all of that, plus the Iowa State win, plus uh, the Oklahoma State beatdown, and plus the, the just the general atmosphere of of the momentum around the program. All in all, I think you got to go with like a solid B plus. I would have liked to have scored one more big upset heading into recruiting season, you know. But you did get Bull eligible behind Cindy Cumbie and Jonathan Garibay's leg, which is massive. You know, the, the, this is a team that deserved to go bowling after everything they went through, and um, they're getting to celebrate, and that's huge because for one thing, is it keeps Tech focused on football, which. You know, coaches want to may lie otherwise for the guys who are sitting at home, but it does not hurt you to be, you know, in bowl prep, you know, when when early signing days rolling around. Guys want to see programs that look like they're going somewhere. Um, you know, Coach McGuire's, I think, made great staff hires. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed that, you know, we didn't go get a more veteran offensive coordinator because, like you said, you know, the biggest weakness Coach McGuire – is perceived to have is he's not an X's and O's coach. In fact, he's pretty admittedly not that kind of coach. He's always been culture, relationships, um, player development, you know, trust, and and building a winning identity and then finding the guys who can work with him to win. Zach Kittley's a great offensive coordinator. 
Um, but there does go something to be said if you are putting a lot of trust in a guy who's never had a power five job along with a head coach who's never been a head coach. You know, the defensive side is, you know, veteran, older, um, a lot more, a lot more proven success. You know, Tim, Coach DeRuiter's had a lot of success. Marcel Yates, Bookbinder, and Fitchival. You know, most of those guys have had serious experience. On the offensive side, other than Coach Smith and Emmett J- and uh, Coach Jones, there isn't necessarily that same vibe. You know, Coach Hamby's had a lot of success at Western Kentucky in the offensive line, but still not a lot of proven. But he is a Red Raider guy, so that's something. And Coach Kitley isn't, you know, coming back to tack, um, and that's something. I think that I don't think those are bad hires. I just they're not like you know going out and hiring. I I, I say say you poached like you know uh, uh, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. You know it's not like that world beating hire. They're great hires. It's one hell of a staff. They've invested a lot of money in it. But it is a little concerning that you are putting some inexperience in the offensive side. That and I think that we'll see the staff kind of grow together and maybe have some growing pains in those first two games as the offensive side of the ball learns how to call. Because um, you know, every as much as I think Cumbie had problems, you know, he was negotiating a, 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 a pretty banged up quarterback room. But I think that like one of the things you'll say is you'll see Kitley have some of those play calling problems, some weird fades when they shouldn't be called, just because he's going to be learning how to call against defenses of a higher caliber. Um, he's been, you know, he's played very good, um, you know, opponents. He's played tech. He's played power five teams. Just he's going to get, you know, real shock experience working with, you know, when you play an all power five schedule. And there will be some growing pains. I think the defense will look pretty good, pretty fast. I think the offense may take a game or two to find its wheels. That's okay. It doesn't take away from the insane momentum around the program, all the recruiting, recruiting hype that hasn't been there in years. I mean, you're, you got to look back to really, Tommy Tuberville era and maybe even the Mike Leach era to find any real recruiting buzz around tech to this degree. I mean, Kingsbury hated recruiting. Uh, Coach Wells preferred the transfer portal and didn't recruit that hard. I've never seen tech have, at least in you know my life in the last 10, 15 years, have serious excitement heading into a signing period in which you think that this class is going to make some moves. So overall, it's a B plus. You know, you're just you're weighing against a couple tough losses, and you're weighing against a little inexperience in the offensive side of the ball. That being said, I think this is the best staff they could have assembled, and you know, there's a lot of momentum in the program heading into bowl season. Um, you know, we we do have to address the you know the the giant pirate sized elephant in the room, which is the fact that we are playing Mike Leach. Like I said, we're gonna have a bowl prep next week, and we'll probably touch on this topic again. But Kendall, your first thought, you know, as as somebody who's got to root against Mike Leach um, for the first time since he left Tech, you know, we're we're right up against him. You know, do you think that, uh, uh, you know, do you think that this matchup will ultimately, you know, settle some matters with Mike Leach, or do you just think it's going to end up kind of relitigating some of the some of some of the uglier past around his departure? Uh, based on his press conference earlier or yesterday, I think, uh, I think it's leading towards, it's just going to reignite some stuff. Cause he did bring up the fact that tech does still owe him 2.5 million. So that isn't necessarily a pretty sight. And, you know, I don't love to see it for our, the, uh, football team stake e- either. Cause, uh, I don't know if I want to face uh pissed off Mike Leach with, uh, really nothing on the line, but at the same time, it's just, you know, you want to beat him, but at the same time, I, I don't love 
our chances, personally. I feel like he's going to be a little pissed off. But I guess that's what we'll see. Um, I don't think it's going to solve much, though, because I think uh, there hasn't really been anything. There hasn't been any makeups or anything. And while nobody that was a part of that is still at Tech, uh, I think that's something that he'll probably always hold against Tech. And I don't know that that relationship will ever really be repaired much. You know, I'm not really interested in trying to change anybody's mind one way or another about, you know, what happened back when this all went down. And I, I even when we do our bowl prep, I, I would be fairly confident saying we're not going to do that. But what I will say about all this is that anybody really involved with that situation is no longer a part of Tech's administration. You know, Coach Ho- Kirby Hocutt wasn't there. Uh, Chauvinek, I don't believe, is the president. I think we have a new chancellor. I don't know how many of the Board of Regents are even still around. I mean, it's just it, it's been a wholesale change at the top uh, for Texas Tech athletics, and I think that's been made for the better. Um, is, is there any way those guys can you know bridge the gap and repair some of the damage to the relationship? I don't think so. I mean, they're not going to pay him. You know, I'm again not going to get into right, wrong, or indifferent. Nobody wants to. You know, we shouldn't have to keep talking about it. Everybody's got their opinion on what happened. All I'm going to say is it's tech is never going to pay him. I'd be stunned. So you can't, you know, I, I want to touch on it because I know it's hard for tech fans to think about Mike Leach. Um, the one thing I'm going to say is there are two types of tech fans about this game that I, I, you know, I can't really understand. I can't get behind. The first one is at least a little understandable, but still I think just objectively wrong, which is playing revisionist history. It's, perfectly fine to admit that the Mike Leach era of Texas Tech football was the most fun and probably best era in its history. And I'll, that's what made me a Tech fan was Mike Leach. So he'll always kind of have a place there too for me. Like it, it was the most fun, at least since I've started watching them. Yeah. And that's the big thing. Cause like the other years that you could say, you know, if you go to the Dykes years or, you know, I've seen, People try to go back to the border conference years. Nobody remembers those that well. Most modern tech fans are guys like Kendall. You know, they either went to the university around that time or went to the university to watch football because of that time, or, you know, they were growing up during. I mean, just nobody remembers any other period of tech success outside of like the 60s and 70s. And it it's just reality of the situation is, and I, I apologize, I don't know the years Coach Dykes was here. Um, but, you know, the reality of the situation is I don't understand people have tried to go back and be like, well, we never won a conference championship. Dude, we were like number two in the nation for a week. I mean, that's – I, I could not care less that we got boxed out of the call of the championship that year because of the Big 12's, like, dumb tiebreaker rules and the performance of Norman. We were a game away from playing for the national title. You know, I, I don't want to hear about how, like, it wasn't that great. You know, screw it. It wasn't. A, it was the best tech has experienced. Has well, yeah, tech had like, other successful? Go ahead. That's like that's like saying like just an example. Like if Matt Campbell were to leave Iowa State and people go to back look back on his years and saying like, oh well, he wasn't that good because he didn't win a conference title and stuff like that's just like I've I have seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, especially when the job search was coming around and people brought up Leach's name, like. I, I didn't want Leach hired this second time, but to say that, to look back and say like that he, you know, even brought up that they didn't win any division titles, but at a t- at that time, that was the toughest division in football that year that we got boxed out and 
after that, it was one of the best divisions in footballs for years. And like, you know, if in other situations or if like most years, that tech team is probably in the national title game. And I think that just that alone, like there's schools like, you know, within the big 12 that could only dream to be in that spot. And that's why, you know, at least I look back on the leech era. So like favorably is because looking to where we've gone since then, it's just like, it's just stupid to imply that Leach wasn't anywhere, you know, he was an elite coach and that's the only thing that should be said about his time at tech. In my opinion, I just, what I don't get about it in particular is just the idea that like, we have to put him down because people still like him around Lubbock and I'll get to the, the second side of this coin. I know why people's reaction is to get so defensive about this. And I'll get to that here in a minute. And I think those the fans I'll talk to later are worse. I just think it's silly to try to bring up like conference titles one in the fifties and forties as like proof that Tech had like a better time. I don't let A and M bring up the national title from the nineteen thirties, and they won a national title in the nineteen thirties. You know, I just you got to have some common sense that the re- that just the cold reality is Tech has not been great at football for a lot of its history. They've been good. I, I don't. I we're not Kansas bad. We're not. I we weren't Iowa State bad when they were. You know, during their dark eras, they've been good, and you can be good here again. But it's not. It doesn't dismiss any of that idea to say. You know, like the ten year stretch that Coach Leach was there, seven eight years. That was some of the best football Tech had ever played. Seven eight years is a long time. That was sustained success by a guy at this program, and it just seems like it just seems like nonsense to try to go back and revise history to pretend that like the eight wins we won every year weren't good enough. Until Tech gets back to winning eight games a year, I don't care if you think that that's not good enough because we have to start with getting back to eight. So that's one group of fans I I don't really understand. The other group that are going to be just as insufferable is, well, I personally, and again, I'm not trying to convince anybody in my opinion, think that Tech screwed Leach. You absolutely should not be rooting for Mississippi State during this bowl game. If you're doing that, Burn your red and black because you're you don't deserve it. You, it it it's as bad as people who didn't get into Texas, you know, who legitimately did settle to go to Tech. There are some of those people, you know, uh, uh, that Tech was not their first choice. I'm not going to pretend there weren't. Who then, you know, during I watched it at students dressed up in burn orange and stood in the student section, and I just thought the same thing: is just leave the damn school. If you don't go, like, I understand, I grew up rooting for Texas. The second Tech got there, you know who I rooted for when Texas played Tech? And I rooted for Texas every year. I have more burner into my closet when I was growing up than you can believe. The second I stopped on campus, I never wore burn orange again. You know, it just, the, the worst mentality you can have with this game is along that vein, which is, oh, well, I'm only going to root for Mike Leach. Screw you. Like, I love Leach. I root for him wherever he goes. I rooted for him at Washington State. I've been rooting for him at Mississippi State. And I'll root for him after this game. But on that game, if you are a true Tech fan, the only idea in your head should be, man, I hope we beat this guy's ass. You may not. I'm with you on this one, Kendall. I don't think Tech's got a shot in this game. You know, there's a lot going for Mississippi State in this game. But that's where I'm at with this. Just that the, Those two groups of fans are going to make this game particularly unfun. And the, the media circus around it's going to be unfun. It's just going to be a lot of not fun. It's just going to be annoying listening to the broadcast just talk about how much, like, how many times is it going to be brought up that we owe him or tech owes him money from back then? Like, it, it sucks because, like, 
it, there's not going to be the fans that live in like the now when it comes to this. And, and that's on, you know, both the media and the fans, like they're all, it's going to be brought up is the past, but I mean, we're playing a good Mississippi state team in the Liberty bowl. And I think that should be the only headline. And I wish it was the only headline for this game. Cause these are Mississippi state's a really good team. And if, Tech can beat them. It's a really good start going into next year, and that's what should be the focus, but it's not going to be, and it sucks. I just think that like it's just going to be miserable, and this was done by the SEC, which, if you don't know, has strong control over where their teams end up in the bowls. It's not a secret, but it's not that well-known of a fact. Um, they This was set up to generate buzz around a bowl game that otherwise would not have generated much buzz. Because, you know, Tech doesn't travel great. Um, you know, we're not a bad travel school for football, but I watched the – I was in the press box for the Houston game, and Tech did not travel well for that game. They traveled hilariously badly to go watch Tech play USF in the last bowl game. And I, I my recollection of every Tech bowl game is just low-attended games. Um, so they, they wanted to generate some extra oomph to this game, get some extra attention on it, and they found a way. And it's going to suck. If you're a Tech fan, I think this bowl game will only end well if Tech wins. You know, it's not going to be one of those that's fun to watch or listen to or whatever. The only thing you can salvage out of it is hoping Tech gets the W. So we'll have a full bowl preview. I just wanted to talk about that now while it was on my mind um, um, and still kind of fresh because Coach Leach did make that comment the other day in the press conference about the money. So we're going to pivot now to basketball. You know, if you're if you're the kind of reader who doesn't care about football or isn't interested in or is more interested in basketball content, I'm going to put in the blob. You can skip to the 29-minute mark because that's when we're switching to basketball talk. And the first thing we're going to talk about with basketball is just we're going to recap, not recap, but review the season and go over some things that after watching Tennessee and Providence, we think the team should try to do better, needs to do better, I should say, things that they you know surprised us in, and some general areas of, of, of to watch looking forward. So Kendall, we'll start with we'll, we'll start with that last category for first. When you're looking ahead and you're trying to decide, you know, how the rest of the season's going to go, what, you know, area is the one that you've got circled as being the closest indicator of what you think tech needs to do to succeed in the future? To me it just comes down to, you know, early in that Providence game, we uh we got out-rebounded pretty badly. And that can't happen with the guys we have on the roster. And it seems like we've gotten pretty beat up sometimes down low. And uh, it's just a little worrying. And Bryson Williams' play, I, I don't really like to, like, call out anybody. And I'm not going to. But he, he, needs, to be, he needs to be better when he's out there because – you know, he was a beast those first couple games. And what we saw from him in those first couple games, if that comes out even against Gonzaga or any of anybody on our future schedule, this team's going to be lethal because, you know, we're really – that Tennessee game, we had to basically hope and pray that TJ and maybe Kevin O'Banner once in a blue moon hit a couple of shots – and that is not that that looked like the old offense last year. That looked like get the ball in one guy's hands and there's not a lot of movement. And that can't happen. And I think that Bryson Williams, him getting going, changes a lot of that. And I personally think that we have a couple guys 
that just get really out of control sometimes with the ball and they get almost too far into the paint and it just causes for a lot of bad turnovers and you know wide open layups and stuff on the other end and you know but while I say that we held one of the top offenses in the SEC to 52 points I think it was in overtime so you know as much as the offense did pain me to watch these last two games the overall experience I've seen from the defense that I might have had some worries the first couple games because you know they were missing rotations wasn't good communication but now the fact that they've already picked it up and we're not even fully out of the non-conference slate is like well shit this team can do a lot of things because now you got the defense figured out now you have time to figure the offense out and I can't think of a better time than this Arkansas State game you know leading into the Gonzaga game this is a perfect game to go figure some stuff out offensively figure out what works what rotations work even because our big guy rotation is really weird right now we have four guys that at most schools are probably a starter and you know, Bacho has been phenomenal and he's like, it's sometimes it's hard to not want him out there over Williams right now, especially from a defensive standpoint. Like he is a great rim protector. And when you have O'Banner and uh, Bacho out there, it's almost very similar to me to the, uh, the uh, Odiase and uh, Owens front court. And that was our most successful defensive front court over Adams. And I think that that lineup would have the most potential, but that Bryson Williams and Marcus Santos Silva are still going to get their playing time. And both of them are still very good down low. So I am, as far as the offense, I do think we need to kind of just be a look, just more under control with some more ball movement and, you know, that type of stuff. But I also think defensively we've gotten to a point where, you know, it's looking scary. I would say that the area I'm most concerned with isn't so much as an area as it is a person, and that that is Bryson Williams. Um, so much of Tech's ceiling is or has been limited the last few years because of subpar play um, in the post. Uh, that, that, that isn't a critique of Marco Santos Silva, who you know probably plays a bit out of position, trying to really bang with some of the bigs in this conference. But uh, you know, the, the, the TJ Holyfield was another guy where they just didn't. You had a lot of promise against some bad competition, and then just in big games they just disappeared. Bryson Williams has been actively hurting you a lot as he's played. Um, and I, I I don't like singling out individual players as much, but it just so much of Tech's ceiling depends on Bryson Williams figuring it out. Because Daniel Bacho's coming along. You know, Daniel Bacho's coming around along great, but Marco Santos Silva is a big dude. You know, he he does not necessarily have the 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 ability to really switch all five positions like Mark Adams likes to do. That isn't to say he doesn't defend well and he can't rebound. He does a lot of things well, but he needs a compliment, a, a true forward-esque character who can shoot, drive, attack, and guard all five. You know, when you want to bang, you can put in Marco Santos Silva. When you need a guy to steady the offense and steady the defense, Marco Santos Silva's a guy. When you want a true elite playmaker at the forward spot, 
we always assumed that was going to be basically Bryson Williams. I mean, he was a scorer at his last stop. He scored so well early this year, but he's been in a pretty bad slump, um, and he needs to bust out of it for Tech to be able to beat you know, high-level competition. You're, you're going to win games because defense always travels, and it's apparent that not only is this Tech defense very, very good, it has the potential to be as good as any defense ever. Tech is fielded. You know, this could be on par with that national title level defense with Daniel Bacho really showing up as a true rim protector and really coming into his own down low. Uh, but Bryson Williams is what makes the offense go from, you know, a, what has been kind of pedestrian the last two games to elite. Um, I, I think he stretches teams out. He's so dangerous underneath when he's playing well. Um, he's a good character to feed down low. And I, I think Mark Adams is still figuring out what to do with him. That's part of it. You know, I've seen way too much. His first touch being at the three-point line. And I don't know, really know if that's going to be his game. Um, and you, it, But Tech's ceiling is going to ride with that kid a lot. Tech can overcome it if Daniel Bacho continues to develop. But you, you, if Bacho's developing, what takes Tech from top 25 you know, to top 10 is Bryson Williams coming along with him. So that that to me, that's where you got to look, um, and I, I I can't hype up Daniel Bacho enough. Absolutely incredible play against Tennessee. He's gotten better every game. I mean, every minute he's played, he's he looks better. Um, he's not like some of these previous bigs Tech has had. You know, we've had some characters who we kept hoping from the develop, and they just never did. They just never got any better. You know, they weren't as talented. They just couldn't play at this level. Could really just, unfortunately, couldn't hack it in the Power Five. Daniel Bacho is the character who he would have played decent minutes at Arizona if it wasn't for a knee injury. You know, this is a Power Five kid, and um, that's showing. He he has elite talents. Um, um, he has elite talent. You know, defending the basketball. He has, you know, high potential to be good on the block. He's coming into his own rebounding. It's just he, he's doing everything better every game. Uh, I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, that has allowed Tech to thrive despite, you know, what allowed, really allowed Tech to thrive against Tennessee on the defensive end was that when guards ended up trying to drive on Bacho, he just took them away. And that, that, that that's... This team is so lengthy, so dangerous. If even Bacho is playing like that, it's going to be tough out. But like I said, Bryson Williams is what can make this team have a truly special season is him picking it up and going. I uh, I just want to say that I will not be shocked if Bacho does take the starting role from Williams at one point if he keeps playing like this because sometimes it's just hard to uh, not make that move, especially when Bacho is like – he is out there. He is making it impossible to get a clean look at the rim. And that is exactly what the no middle needs. And that's why that 2019 team was so damn good was because of that right there. Because even that Elite Eight team the year prior, they were very good, but their backup center was. I think that's when Hamilton was there. He was not a rim presence. And as good, Odiase was really good at, you know, walling up. But, you know, he. He contested shots, but he wasn't necessarily just an elite shot blocker. That's what Bacho is, and I think that's what puts this team over the top is that type of defense because that turns into more offense. That turns into more opportunities, and uh, I just think that Bacho is the difference maker for this team.
Speaking of, um, you know, difference makers, we've looked at the transfers. We've talked about Bacho. We talked about Bryson Williams. But we got some guards who have really shown out who came in. You know, of of you know the the several transfer guards that Tech brought in, who's really stood out the most to you? Um, Adonis Arms. Uh, I'm just gonna uh, Davion Warren. I I mean, I said it in our preseason primer. I I had high expectations for uh, Davion Warren. I expected him to be one of our top scorers and our one of our primary ball handlers. But Adonis Arms, when he's came in has just been a jolt of energy. When we need a defensive stop, he's there. When we need someone to make a play, whether it's, you know, driving and kicking the ball out for three or anything like that, it is Adonis Arms. And I didn't know how good of a shooter he was coming in. I knew he could shoot, but uh, I didn't know how good he was. He's a great shooter. And it has been... Very great seeing him develop because, like, I loved having him on in the offseason. And, you know, that, that if you're listening now, you could be thinking that's a little biased because we had him. No, he has just been Tech's X Factor off the bench besides Bacho. And he will continue to be the X Factor because he's the perfect replacement for McCuller, Warren, or Shannon. He can fill any of their roles and be successful in it. So I think that. Arms is going to be the biggest X factor to come Big Twelve play, and especially come tournament time. I would say that for me, it's got to be Adonis Arms as well, just because that. Um, I think Davion Warren came in with a lot of expectation. It's hard to be, you know, the the, the biggest shocker, you know, the biggest fat when you came in being a guy most thought. And I really like Davion Warren's game. With one huge glaring exception, he has a really, really bad habit of just putting his head down and driving without looking for an outlet. He sometimes gets into his head that he's got to go get a bucket, you know, right then when it's not in the offense to do so. I think Adonis Arms plays very much in the offense. He's the lead defender. He's really shown Tech something special where he was not the most heralded uh, a guy coming in. He came out of, I believe, it was Hampton playing, you know whatever the platoon minutes were, it was only like 10 minutes a game because of the oh, that system was out there. Winthrop. Uh, yeah, Winthrop. Playing only like 10, 15 minutes a game. We talked about it with him at the time. Um, he, he mentioned, you know, he, he felt like he had more to show, and he has. Um, the other guy I really, really liked, um, uh, not looking at the guards, but looking at the transfers as, as a whole, is, is um, uh, Kevin O'Banner. And again, Kevin O'Banner can't shock anybody because we all knew he was going to be incredible. What I think I've really liked about his game is he was the dude at Oral Roberts. I mean, not just a dude. He was the entire shebang. And he's really done a good job playing within the system. His shot hasn't fallen as much as maybe we would like, but it's been there enough that he's given us some huge corner threes. He's rebounded the ball well. He's distributed the ball well. And he's been really willing to defend at a high level. I, I don't know what his NBA draft feedback was. I have to assume it was something along the lines of, of, of work more on the glass, and he's really gone to work trying to get rebounds. So he's impressed me, even though he came in with so much hype. But what I've been impressed about is he's a guy who seems – he's just playing very unselfish basketball. You know, he's just playing, you know, high-quality minutes, not always looking to be, you know, the, the, the – 
the dribble shoot guy off first touch. He he's he's finding this he's making a mark on this program by just playing within the system. And that that that's what you love to see from these transfers. And it's hard to convince guys to do that. I mean, one of the reasons Davion Warren, I think, is, has struggled some is he has not necessarily relinquished some of his control of the offense to McCullough and TJ Shannon um, and the, the the other guards who are rotating in and out. Um, I forgot know, the, to mention, I also would like to see, uh, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, McCullough, uh, he's been very good, but I, I don't know if I love him as the primary ball handler. Uh, I still am. Kind of, I think it, based on what I've seen since TJ's been in, when with that starting unit, uh, I'm really hoping TJ kind of takes over some more primary ball handler stuff because as good as uh, Kev is, uh, I feel like he's gotten kind of out of control at points, especially when there's pressure or a zone. And uh, I think that Tech could be in trouble if they don't kind of hand that off a little bit more. And even if that means you know Malik Wilson getting a little more time just to have some better ball handlers in there because we struggled when the zone came out both against Tennessee and Providence. We seemed really stagnant and uh, I think we need, might need someone better up top that can kind of make some things happen. And I don't know if Kev's that guy right now. Lastly, or not lastly, but now moving into, um, moving into the preview of 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 what you know we're really wanting to get into mean too. We're gonna preview Gonzaga. We're gonna talk a lot about Gonzaga these last 15 minutes, really close this out. Um, but I'll start with the with the obvious question, Kendall. Everybody's aware uh, uh, of you know some of the talent Gonzaga has, but you're looking at that roster up and down. Who is the guy who of all the talent they've got will pose the most problems for tech? Who's a guy who could legitimately be the biggest uh, um uh, you know, flaw, fly in the ointment tech could face. It's got to be Holmgren. There's not a matchup on this planet besides, you know, NBA level talent for Chet Holmgren. He's, uh, I've been kind of watching him since, you know, his early high school days. He's a seven footer with guard handles. Uh, he is impossible to get a shot off if he's near you. Um, and that's at the three point line in the paint. Uh, he's going to drive right past you. He's going to, make you guard and if you double him he is going to find the open guy and uh our best matchup is probably I want to say Bacho but I don't think he's necessarily quick enough on the outside and that's what scares me is I think our centers our bigs are I don't know if they're going to be fast enough to guard him on the perimeter so it could come down to putting one of our six 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 seven wings on him like Adonis Arms and I just think he could create a lot of issues because that that size along with that skill is just impossible to defend. We've seen it for years. You know, you've seen it with guys like KD and he was in the big 12. We saw that happen for years and it's just, it's a talent that you don't really see very often. And what sucks about it is they have two guys out on the perimeter that can shoot the lights out with, Iowa State transfer receiver Bolton, who was very underrated in his time in Ames. I felt that Bolton didn't get a lot of shine because of how bad those ISU teams really were. Bolton, if you leave him open or give him any open looks, he will pull from 30 feet and he will make it. Like it, You cannot leave a guy open on this team. And it's 
you think I'm done, but then there's Drew Timmy also. So, and Timmy, I think we match up a lot better with Timmy, especially with uh, Bryson Williams, Santos Silva, and O'Banner, all three of them. We have three different bigs that we can throw at them that, you know, they, they kind of have different ways of defending and we can get some more physicality on him that I think that's where the depth comes in handy because we're going to get in foul trouble down low. It's just bound to happen. But we have a lot of depth, so I think that Timmy isn't going to create as much problems as Holmgren and Bolton and Andrew Nemhard will. But this whole team is just, they're stacked. So it's going to be a fight. I would say Timmy's the guy I'm most concerned about. And I do think that we match up pretty well with him. I think we've got some guys who can really frustrate him. Um, I think if you've got really lengthy, good defensive guards, that that that's going to be hard for him to do some of the stuff he's done to teams like Texas and, you know, UCLA. Um, but the reason why I think he's the, he's the biggest problem is he's the kind of guy where if he's having a night, you know, one of those nights where he could chuck it up from the opposite free throw line and have it go in, you know, kind of night, you know, the night where it's just, he's on Gonzaga will roll tech and that, that that's reality. He's, if he is dropping, 25, 30 points and making it look easy. Gonzaga's beating Tech pretty handily. You cannot allow him to get going because if he is going, because he's going to score, I, I I fully expect him to, to break double digits without too much issue. I'm talking about where if he's really shooting like 55%, he's, you know, everything he touches works. That kind of night when he's just having one of those where he's just the man night, too, Gonzaga has too much scoring around him. Where if you're having to put all of your attention on slowing down Timmy, I just think that that's such an issue. So if Tech wants to win this game, and you know really make a statement uh, uh, this this coming this coming Saturday, if you take if you make Timmy work for it, if you make him work for his touches, work for his shots, you know really try to frustrate him, and you put him in a slump and you slow him down, Gonzaga's got weapons; they're a good basketball team. But if you take away, you know, their 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 leader, then they will suffer. You know, it's going to be harder for them to run what they want to run. It'll be harder for them to feel good about it. And that's just, you know, how the cookie crumbles for Gonzaga. If you take, you know, Timmy out of the game, as Tech has done to plenty of great, you know, a lot of teams have got to go to their second, third option to try to beat Tech. And some of these guys have stepped up. But with Gonzaga, you, you cannot allow their first option to get going because if, if he does, they will roll you. And I just wanted to kind of add to it. Thing that makes me just go in with a little bit of confidence. Mark Few has not been able to figure out the no middle yet. He's only had two serious matchups with it, but Baylor in the national title and Tech in the Elite Eight. But when it comes down to it, you know, they he's had issues and you know their best bet the last two se- or two tournaments in playing it has been the fact that uh you know they have good isolation players and that's their only way that they've been able to score and they have a lot more better weapons in my opinion than the last time tech played them you know we were able to focus on Hachibura the last time tech played them a couple years ago so it is going to be a much much different matchup but just a little thought that few has had offenses that struggle a good amount against the no middle. And 
I'll be interested to see, you know, if he kind of has started to figure something out for it or if we're going to be able to cause some problems for that offense because that's our best chance. So what? who has to have the overall best game for Tech to give Tech the best chance of beating Gonzaga? You know, who has to really step up and take over for Tech to get the W? In my opinion, you have to fight star power with star power, and that starts and ends with TJ. Uh, you know, TJ has got he's got to come out and show why he's an NBA level player because you're going up against other NBA level players. Well, now his time is to come out, show out on the national stage, show that Texas Tech is here, show that they are not just you know Chris Beard, the house that Chris Beard built. This is TJ's time. This is text time to kind of just come out and throw a punch and say that you know we're still fucking here like it's it's tj's time in my opinion and he's gonna need to have a huge game i think o'banner is gonna need to have a huge game shooting and i personally think that everyone is gonna have to have a huge game defensively for us to come out and win but if tj is out here putting up if he can get 25 and we're getting some good contributions from everyone else i think that tech has a very serious shot to win this game i think tj has to have a great game just because you need his scoring but the guy i really want to see really show out is kevin mcculler um i think that he's been running primary point hasn't looked that comfortable doing it um he hasn't looked bad he's played well more or less. He was a little off against Tennessee, but I think he needs to have a really stout game directing the offense, directing traffic, and I bet he gets matched up a lot with Timmy. I bet he matches up a lot with him just because Kevin McCullough is the kind of guy you put on somebody's best player and hope he takes him away, and I think that if he plays as well as we all hope, you know, future NBA six-man kind of deal, I think that Tech has the best chance for success because I've gotten to the point where I'm not that worried about TJ having a bad game if McCuller isn't, you know, scoring for Tech at a high level, you know, you you are struggling to find offense a little bit. You know, you're struggling to facilitate a little bit. You, you, you're really leaning on your defense, which has been there, but I, I want to see him take it to the next level and show off that the, the talent that could get him, you know, drafted in a few years. If, if he continues to, to play – as this team's, you know, lead point guard, lead facilitator, and does it at a high level, I think he could go, you know, uh, second round G League position and work his way up to the league without any issues. I think he has that talent. He could go first round if he really shows out. I mean, Tech could have two first round draft picks. It is a real possibility if both these, if if him and Shannon are both playing at a high level. Hell, Tech could have a lot of draft picks this year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys looking at the NBA, but. Um, you know, McCuller is the kind of guy where if he's playing well and he's just eating up people on the defensive end, he's facilitating the offense, he's scoring, he's shooting the ball well, Tech will get, you know, 15 points a game, 7-8 rebounds, 4-5 assists, and a whole bunch of, you know, redirected passes, tip passes, and just you're just going to see offensive output for Gonzaga drop extremely low because, you know, you, you, you've got to deal with guys, you know, the, the you know, I, 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 as well as I think Tech matches up with Timmy, I think Chet, uh, Chet is a guy Tech matches up very, very well with. But that matchup's only possible if McCullough is really just eating somebody up, and I think that's going to be Timmy. And it makes, you know, a freshman really take on a very, very dangerous defense. And, um, you know, I think that that's where I'm at. 
So we'll close out here with the last question of the night, which is Kendall, you know, call your shot. Who you got in this game? What's the final score? Does Tech pull off a an upset? I am never going to bet against Tech basketball. Uh, as long as you have the no middle, you have a chance. And I think Tech's gonna. I, I think Tech's gonna get it. And um, I do think it. They are Gonzaga is gonna score. It's it's just gonna happen. But um, I like Tech to keep it. You know, I think Tech can keep it in the seventies, and you know that's all you can really ask to do. And I think Tech can get one in like the seventy-seven, seventy-four range. Like that's that would if we can keep it them under eighty. Tech's definitely gonna have a fighting chance. I'm gonna say Tech gets the win. I think Gonzaga doesn't match up well against Tech. You know, Gonzaga's played some teams with some good guards and really, really struggled. And I think Tech has better guards, actually, than the teams they played, or as good. I think Tech is just so tough defensively that you're just kind of waiting for the offense to break down. I mean, here's reality. If Tech isn't whistled for, you know, 38-odd, uh, sends Providence to free throw line 38-odd times, whistled for, like, 25 fouls or whatever the hell, you know, one of the most whistled games I've ever seen, Tech beats Providence. You know, and that that that's that's the lone blemish on your resume was a tough Providence team that needed they I don't think the officials were biased. I just think they were bad in that game. But that's how you lost. And you didn't play well at all in that game and still lost by four, despite all of the things going on against Tennessee. You couldn't shoot the ball at all. And you still found a way to beat Tennessee. I think if Tech clicks, they have a very good chance to beat Gonzaga. Um, I'm going to say Tech takes this one. I think your best bet is a sub-80 game as well. So I'm going to say like a 75-68 game. That's closer than that score indicates with Tech getting a few garbage time free throws to, to, to spread the difference. Um, and that that's going to be our show for tonight. It was j- both just Kendall and I. We hope to have Jack back next week for the bowl preview. Keep your eyes peeled for that. And, you know, keep your eyes peeled for some more recruiting news that's coming up. I'm sure early signing day is going to be a blast this year with all with all the buzz around the program. And keep your eyes peeled to the TV on Saturday as Tech tries to upset Gonzaga in Arizona. All right, thanks, everybody. Wreck them. <laughs>